0: Namaste, welcome to Colin Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Colin Response Podcast is an offering of the Kirtan Mala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India.
1: it's more like an ability to let go. Hi everybody. How you all doing? If you're here, you're doing okay.
2: Hi Krishnadas. Hi. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah, so I don't have a question, but I felt like I just needed to show up um mm-hmm in the space, or in my heart or something. Um, you know, I've been getting, yeah, staying up till 12 to 2 on a Thursday for the satsang. It's uh-huh. been amazing. And uh, spending more time with horses, that was something that came up the last time I asked a question on the Zoom. So, um, but there's, I'm sort of quiet, you know, so I just, I felt, I think it was important just to Yeah try and, you know.
1: Yeah, no it can watch the Zoom's st- the the Thursday night's replays.
2: Yeah. You know yeah. It's not the same because even like where I live it's not so private but like it's it's fine. But I'm singing quietly. Everyone else is asleep and I'm there uh-huh. like the light off, you know. And it's just like bliss, you know. I can't explain it. I just I have two hours of I just feel so happy ah, okay. and then I know not much sleep or anything and a lot of hard work the next day but just like no problems you know good which is kind of strange actually <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: actually that's your true nature no, problems. Yeah, no problem
2: yeah no problems. yeah
1: problems are in our mind and the way we mm-hmm. interact with everything but our true nature is perfectly okay always and that's That's where we really live. So we've been, because of our stuff, we were locked out of our own house, you could say. We're like living on the lawn of our own house. And instead of a bathroom, we have a a porta potty and a bucket to take a bath in and, you know, and the bed's out there on the lawn. And we, we don't even know there's a house there. And then if, if if we did, we wouldn't know what, where the key was. So yeah,
2: but I feel like I'm kind of maybe I'm on the porch. Oh, Okay. And that, and then it's like, oh, like it's so different. Mm. I, don't, you know, it's sort of like I could surrender a little more, but it's a bit like, is this okay? Like, am I allowed to feel this okay? What do you think? Oh well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel it like, yeah, but,
1: yeah. You don't need to be allowed, actually. Hmm. But we do need to allow ourselves. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah,
2: maybe that's
1: it. Yeah. Hmm. And that's okay. I mean, we growing up in this modern world, none of us have been allowed to be ourselves. Hmm. We've, we've become identified with all the programming that... Yeah put into us from every possible direction. Yeah. So uh, we need to, to allow ourselves to be at ease with whatever is there. And because that's our true nature, it is at ease, it is okay. You know, and it's hard to recognize that because we're, it's like we're in free fall, you know, and, we grasp, you know, we try to hold on to something, but right? it breaks off. We pick on yeah, you know, and it breaks off. Oh, it doesn't work. Yeah. But if you just lay back into it, it's perfectly okay. Yeah. For me, it comes down to Maharaji because emotionally, I don't feel okay myself. You know, for most of the most of the time, I'm. I don't feel at ease with myself. I don't feel at home in my own self. But when I remember him and who he is to me, and when I enter into his presence more deeply, then I I just naturally relax because my experience with him and my relationship with him is that he is everything that. I want, I am trying to see in myself, you could say, that way. So I have that, you know, I have yeah. that. that yeah. People have asked me, you know, do you ever lose faith? And I said, well, I have very little faith in myself, but I don't lose faith in him.
2: I understand. When you were in Dublin, I was at the Kirtan, and um, I, I hugged you afterwards, and it was a it was a game changer, like total, just like stepping into another world. But that's my point of reference. So inside, it's it's not great. But
3: when I remember
2: what that felt like, then it's never sort of being on my own. It's never on my own. There's always a presence. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that presence is... Is really you, you looking in the mirror and seeing yourself.
2: <laughs> that's like, all right. <laughs> it, was, it was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was you know, but
1: because there's dust on I, the mirror. I know that. Yeah. And because there's dust on the mirror most of the time, we don't get a clear look at our face. We're no, I have like
2: cre- creosote, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm joking. That's okay. Good little yeah.
1: creosote no problem. But, um, you know, creosote keeps the bugs away. You know that, right?
2: That's true. Yeah.
1: So yeah. So once there's no more bugs, you can take the creosote off. Okay.
2: Deal. <laughs> Very good. Yeah.
1: yeah. Good. Well, nice to see you.
2: Yeah, nice to see you. Thank you. And
1: uh, take good care, huh? Ram,
0: Ram, Kiri.
1: Oh, ho. Ram, Ram.
4: Uh, Kiri, I just wanted to ask uh, your fondest memory of Siddhima?
1: Of Siddhima? I'll tell you a story. And it's not a story about Ma, it's a story about Maharaji that Ma told me. Well, actually, she had Jaya, her, her disciple, her tell me. It was in 1995 in the temple in Kenshi. I was uh not doing very well and uh i um, i told I sent a message to ma saying that i I wanted to talk to her so a couple of days later uh, they came to get me and and she ma had come out and was sitting in the back of the temple uh in the ashram part of the temple. Uh, things were being prepared for the Bandara, the Pandujun Bandara. And um, so she said, what is it? And I said, Ma, you know, um, I don't know if you know my whole story, but you know, Maharaji had called me to come back to India. Uh, he had sent me home and then he had somebody write to me telling me to come back but I didn't get there on time because of my own uh stupidity anyway uh in tamasic nature so uh so I said Ma you know I don't think I've ever recovered from not coming back to see Maharaji this is already 23 years later 22 years later and um I said, I feel like there's a knife in my heart and I can't take it out. So she was quiet for a minute and she said something to Jaya. And Jaya said, Ma asked me to tell you this story. Uh, everybody was in, in Rishikesh, at the temple in Rishikesh and they, they had made plans to go to uh, South India for the, for the winter. And they had 40 reservations on a train from Delhi to Madras to Chennai. And just before the a few hours before they were getting ready to leave, all the devotees, Jivantima had another heart attack. She was having like heart attacks regularly, not major ones, but small ones. And you know, but she had a heart attack and she could barely breathe. And they, what should we do? if we cancel the reservations we will never get more reservations in time and what so they all decided to to go because Givante Ma wanted to go also so uh she they she they helped her get into the car and she could barely breathe i mean and all the way they had to drive from Rishikesh to Delhi to catch the train so they drove all that way. For everybody that doesn't know, it's probably uh, minimum seven hours of driving, uh, and the roads are are about as good as they were in uh, before the Roman Empire. You know. So they get to, to the old Delhi train station, and Jivanti uh, Ma can't walk, so they carried her on a dandi underneath the tracks. There's a tunnel that you can walk through that goes up to each of the tracks and that's only used for the 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 luggage the bearers you know the uh, and the police and stuff like that so they carried her underneath the tracks and up to the platform and into the train and into the into the compartment and they helped her into her berth the berth sleeping the train takes off somewhere in the middle of the night Sidima needs to use the bathroom now for those of you that don't know on these in these train cars uh, there are bathrooms at either end of the car and you walk down the 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 hall to the end of the car and then you make a turn which goes out to the door, out of the train, but then you make a quick right turn to the bathrooms. So middle of the night, Sidhima needs to use the bathroom, so Jaya walks with her. First, they went to one side of the train, one bathroom, and it was really dirty. So they turned around and they went, walked down the long wall, the walkway, to the other side of the train car to use the other bathroom. When they turned the corner at the end of the hallway, they were facing the door outside the train. And there, huddled down at the foot of the door was a... She used the word fakir, which is a word, essentially means like a Sufi or Muslim saint. She did not say sadhu, she said a fakir because he had a black blanket or black shawl around him, and covering his head, and you couldn't see his face. He was looking down. And uh, when they turned the corner and came in front of this fakir, he, still looking down, and his face covered, he goes like this, Jay J means like hail, victory, or, you know, respect, Jay. So I'm sitting him up. Goes like this, bows to him, and then she goes into the bathroom. So then Jaya comes back and she says to this the, the Baba, she said, Baba, do you know this woman? And again, still covered, completely covered, he says, She is the mother of the universe. And Jaya wow. goes, whoa. Well, then Siddhima comes out of the bathroom and once again she pronounces to the Baba and goes to her, walks back with Jaya to, to the compartment. Now Jaya decides that Jivantima has to see the Baba, has to meet the Baba. So with great difficulty, because she can't breathe, you know, she's had a heart attack. She, With great difficulty, they make their way down the hallway and... Uh, And um, they come in front of the Baba, and Jivantima silently bows to the Baba. And still, the Baba's not looking. He can't see her. He's covered. He reaches into his jola, his little backpack kind of thing, and he pulls out fresh, hot puris. And he breaks them in pieces and puts them like this, Feeding Jivantima in her mouth like that. Without, once again, you can't see his face. He's just, he's breaking the, the hot, the fresh, hot puris and putting them in her mouth. And she's crying. Jaya's crying. So finally, Jaya takes, uh, by the way, this was exactly the way that Maharaj used to feed Jivantima. So then they go back to the, the compartment. And Jaya wants to come back to see the Baba. So she gets there. As she gets there, the train is coming to a station. And by the time she gets to the end of the thing, the Baba has opened the train door and is standing facing the platform and his back is to Jaya. And he took one step onto the platform and disappeared right in front of Jaya's eyes. So Jaya finished telling me this story and Siddhima looks at me and says, Krishnadas, no one can understand Maharaji's leela, Maharaji's play, since he left the body. Then she sent me away. (laughs) No one can understand Maharaji's Leela, since leaving the body. One time she, we'd been sitting together, just me and her, for quite a while in silence. And all of a sudden she looked up at me and she said, Krishnadas, Maharaji can do anything for anyone at any time. I went... <laughs> 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 I just don't know if he can make a good cup of coffee. We'll find out
0: <laughs> Thank you so
1: much Thank you. Boy, Sitima must be hanging out this this week. uh people have been asking me about her, and you know when she was with us physically, we were not prohibited, but we were definitely not encouraged to talk about her to other people. She didn't want publicity. She didn't want people coming. And she didn't send people away. I mean, she didn't forbid people to come, but she... she, I, I really feel she hid herself better than Maharaji hid himself. And he hid himself from everybody, but she... She didn't want, she never took anything personally. People would say, Ma, this, she would say, Ma, my daughter's sick, I, my, my, my son needs a job. She would only say, you know, pray to Maharaji. What are you asking me for? Every once in a while she, she, she slipped and said, everything will be okay, don't worry. But uh, most of the time she just said, pray to Maharaji. Of course, Maharaji said, pray to Hanuman. (laughs) Hanuman says, pray to Ram. And Ram says, just do your shit, get out of here. (laughs) Hello.
5: We are really, really your die-hearted friend. Uh, We love your old bhajans, um, Hanuman Chalisa. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, chant, uh, Devi chant. Mm-hmm. A, which one note? I have read your book, A Chant of Life. Yeah, gotcha. just I want to thank, thank you for everything because you are in with us in happy times and sad moments. If we listen to you, everything we just get settled. I'm so so happy to see you. First time I am seeing you, so I'm <laughs> so happy.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I just want to thank you. Yeah, yeah, wonderful to see you too. Beautiful. And
5: uh, no journey starts without your Hanuman Chalisa.
1: <laughs> very nice, very nice. You said you and like every- the old bhajans. What about the new bhajans? You don't like those?
5: <laughs> yeah, even I like every each bhajan, each every bhajan I like, but my favorite is Devi Chant.
1: Yeah, and, which one?
5: Uh, Hanuman Chalisa and Rupam Dehid. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah.
5: Now that you show me, that touch my heart. That is, uh-huh. I just truly, I feel that I can feel your emotions, everything. So I'm so grateful to you. I just want to thank you.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. So nice. Wonderful to meet you. Thank you. care. be well. Thank you. Okay, bye.
5: All the best for, best for your whole journey ahead.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rama,
2: okay. be well. Uh, hari om. I don't know what drew me towards you. I just came across your bhajan yesterday and something in me just told me that, you know, I had to just see you that's and right. uh, that's why and since yesterday night, you know, I, I, I and my wife, we uh, listened to your Hanuman uh, Chalisa and Om Namah Shua. Om Namah Shua is something, you know, which uh, today, the whole day, I was just hearing it. Hmm. There is something really magical in your voice. So, yeah. I just thought of being here to say thank you, and that's about it.
1: Wonderful! Thank you, thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Same yeah. Where are you in India? Which place? Uh, I'm from from Bombay. From Mumbai, huh? from Mumbai Yeah. I spent I spent time down there. I spent time there. That's I sang nice. in Mumbai a few times. You know, uh, twice. I sang. Maybe a few years ago, I was there. I sang there. Uh, but uh, next time we meet. Sure, definitely. Whenever,
2: you're in when, India, we'll definitely
1: catch up. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Same. I didn't know today was Christian Das Appreciation Day. I would have been. <laughs> uh, I would have put on a new shirt, or something.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Kitty.
1: Hello. How are you?
6: How are you? Well, I have a question. Um, I don't know if it's a question or not, but I was dating an addict, and he has a beautiful soul, but. He rejects the fact of being loved and tries to destroy the relationship constantly. So I had to put a boundary to protect myself because it was very difficult and, and leave him.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: But it's so hard to accept the fact that some people can change and feel loved, you know? I don't know how to make a question out of that, but maybe you can help me because, I don't know, he sometimes... He hear you, and he he gets so emotional. And when he hears the mantras, he cries. And I don't know. I I think he really gets in touch with that. But I don't know. It's it's hard for me to to put that boundary and mm-hmm. let him go.
1: Well, being an expert on relationships that I am. Ha!
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, ultimately, you just have to let people be who they are. Mm-hmm. What else can you do? Right? But you also have to let yourself be who you are, which is, we don't know how to do that. You know, We can't change other people. We can't make people be who we want them to be. Love really means seeing people. Uh, well, love means letting people be who they are. Doing, what, making whatever offering you can make. But if they don't take the offering, that's, that's what can we do really, right? Our strength comes from making the offering, from wishing somebody well, from wanting somebody to be happy, to doing whatever we can do to be available to somebody if and when they have hunger for what we'd like to give them. But on the other hand, what can we give anybody when we don't know how to give ourselves? Right? You're having a you you know you're having a lot of emotions stirred up now. Mm-hmm. Work with those emotions. They're not wrong. It's not a question that these type of feelings are wrong but where do they come from? What are they really about, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Once I was very much in love with someone and I was telling my Indian father, Mr. Tiwari, who was my great, greatest friend in the world and my teacher and a great yogi, family man, you know? So I was going on and on about this woman and he was listening, huh? Oh, oh, very nice, oh yes, okay. And when I was finished, he says, uh, my boy. He said, relationships are business. Yeah, do your business, enjoy. But love, he said love, love is what lasts 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Love is who we are. We don't get it from somebody. But we've acquainted, we, we, ad, we identify affection Emotional love with real love, and they're two different things. Love is who we are. And when we really touch that place inside of us, we see the love everywhere. And we, it's not something that we feel we have to get from somewhere or someone. But relationships, oh, okay, I push this button for you. Okay, and you push this one? Okay, yeah, it feels great, thank you. And now I'll push that button. Okay, will you push? Oh, yeah, okay, good. And then I push this button for you. I said, what do you mean you don't want to push my button? You have to push this. What's wrong with you? You know, you can't, what can we do? But it's all good. It's all, once you recognize that you're really alive, that you're here. What you want to do is clean your heart. You want to be able to sit more deeply in who you really are. Relationships will show you immediately. Well, not immediately. Give it a few days, right? It'll, they'll show you very quickly where you're at, with your with what we really identify with and what we feel we need to get to feel good about ourselves because we didn't get it from our parents because our parents didn't have it they may have cared for us and loved us in their way but they did not love themselves so where are we going to catch that from you know devotion or this kind of real love is a disease you catch it from the people who have it But who has it in this world? Very few people. So, in the middle of the pain that you feel, right in the middle of this fire, expand yourself. Don't crush yourself down. Open up. Be with the pain. You'll learn so much from it. You'll see so much from it. Unhappy circumstances and painful circumstances are our best teachers. Because when things are going easily, we're just totally asleep. We like to be asleep. It's comfortable. You know, you got the covers on. It's all cozy. Maybe there's somebody you're holding on to and you like that feeling. But as soon as you, that person, when he, turns in bed, puts an elbow in your nose, then you wake up, ah, oh, what is that, you know? That's when you're thats when you're really alive, believe it or not. That should, you know, so just keep breathing. That's the best thing you can do. Just keep, no matter what you feel, keep breathing. And I guarantee you within a few thousand breaths, it'll be different. And it keeps changing. Everything keeps changing, and the more you, the more you embrace, and accept, and allow yourself to feel this pain, the more your heart starts to grow and get radiant, because the pain can't destroy you. It just can't. It can hurt, but it's, if you if you you. You say you get out of bed and stub your toe on the on something. You cut your toe off? No, so this is the same thing. You can't close yourself to these things when you when when you when you make a deal with yourself to okay, all right i'm gonna I'm gonna live through this. I'm gonna deal with it the best I can. I don't fucking like it, but God damn it, I'm going to just be here no matter what happens. You, You start to feel different. That you come out of hiding. You come out of that black hole. And then you start to feel alive again. And you see, the next thing you see, if it's so hard for you, who are supposedly spiritual, to feel okay, your partner who has no clue how hard must it be for him? And what about all the other people in the street that we see who may look at us weird and not like us and don't like the way we dress or this or that? How hard is it for them to be real or to come out of their their hole, right? When we see how hard it is for us, what happens is we start to, despite our best efforts, we, we start to feel compassion for people. And we realize we're all on the same boat, all of us. So keep breathing. Things will change. And, you know.
4: I'm calling from uh, Deradun, which is very close to Rishikesh. I know
1: Deradun. So many times I've been there.
4: Uh It's beautiful. Do you like it?
1: Very nice, very nice. Uh, I used to go to Kankal, Kankal where Anandamai has ashram, just outside Dehradun, oh, on the road very to Rishikesh. nice. Yeah.
4: When did you visit last?
1: Before you were born. <laughs>
4: I'm sure. I'm sure. Thank you for having me. I have been listening. Um, uh, so I'm a yoga teacher and I That's practice a- and uh, I teach in Dehradun. So I was running my own place for about two years, but uh, then for about three years, then COVID happened this year and uh,
7: um,
4: everything's turned online. So I have been doing sessions online. So the question I wanted to ask you was that, uh, I just, I I think there is, I'm just going to ask it. After you continue to feeling, uh, continue feeling lost For quite some time, uh, even though you practice and uh, you meditate and um, you are trying to motivate other people into practicing or trying to lead a good life, but because of stuff that has happened in your own personal life, uh, it's been some time that uh, you have continued to not feel that grounded. You've not been able to figure out a way to come back and feel settled. how does one uh, how does one get back to that place? Um, in a nutshell, uh, so for, for where I am coming from is just from solely experiences. Uh, let's say in the uh, past two years, uh, the previous year has been very difficult because I called my wedding off, and that was a nightmare. Keeping uh, a lot of Indian uh, mm-hmm. mindsets in and uh, in mind. Yeah on for months and months so it is uh, I think one thing that I pulled out of that was that it's not usually the decision that takes a lot of strength it's pulling the decision through that takes more strength out of you hmm. and I feel that it it the, the entire process just uh, took something out of me which I have been unable to bring back and I try to hold on to faith and I try, to practice more and everything. And while I talk in my yoga sessions and while, I'm, uh, while people talk to me through COVID because this year has been so difficult for everyone. Yeah. So I sometimes I feel that what comes out of my mouth while trying to motivate other people, I have sort of, uh, I, I'm unable to find my own place while I do that.
1: Yeah. First of all, in your uh, observations about me, are not entirely accurate. First of all, I'm not trying to do anything for anybody. No. What can I do for anybody? What I can do is share my practice with anybody who wants to share my practice, which is to chant. That's my main practice. So I'm. all I want to do is make that offering to anyone who wants to sing, come sing. Uh, I'm not, and when I'm singing, when I'm chanting, I'm not chanting to people. What people are you talking about? I'm chanting to God. I'm chanting to the soul. I'm chanting to my own soul. I'm chanting to my guru who lives within me as who I am. So I'm not chanting to people who are trying to make them have any kind of experience. That's their problem. I'm sharing my practice, what I do for myself with anyone who wants to share it. I don't I am not responsible for your state of mind. You want to be depressed? Fine. Chant be depressed. You want to be happy? Fine. Chant be happy. That's yours that's your life, not mine. I'm sharing my practice with people. Because that is my practice, sharing it, actually. My guru did not want me to stay home alone and chant. He wants me to chant with people. So, but not, but that's his business, not my business. (laughs) People have dreams of him. They have nice experiences, wonderful. That's great, wonderful. What do I have to do with it? Nothing. I'm just chanting to him, not to you except that you're a part of him. So you, you have this idea that you're the doer, that you're doing all this, and you're identified with that. And so you're identified with all the feelings that arise from, the, from those interactions. Well, you know, I'm getting drained. I can't maintain a good feeling here. I, I don't even know if I'm helping anybody, and this is hard times. Thoughts, it's nothing but thoughts. Come back to the name, come back to the breath, let go. It's not your job to run the universe, it's somebody else's job. Let them do it, you take care of yourself, that's your job. Why worry, it's not your problem. Your problem is dealing with your own stuff, that's enough. And how do you do it that well? You should, you know, one can, you know, somebody once told me that what you what you do for other people uh, is different than what you do for yourself. So, that's true and it's not true. It depends how you see it. But let's put it, when you do your practice, you have to maintain your practice. Especially if you're sharing that practice with other people. You can't be arrogant and think that whatever comes out of your mouth is good for everybody you have to be constantly turning towards that place within from where comes everything right so but thinking about it and judging it and feeling good or feeling bad let go this is all to be let go of, this is not your business, this is thoughts. Thoughts, emotions, feelings, thinking about the past, worrying about the future. You, you have to develop the ability to let go of all that stuff because it does not matter what you think about anything. What matters is how you live in this moment. So when you do whatever practices you do for yourself, Really be there. Don't think about the past or the future. Be with yourself when you are practicing, when you are doing what you do for yourself. Feed yourself. And and you're training yourself to let go of and to dilute the glue that holds you to all these stories that you tell yourself about yourself all life long. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this way, I did this, I didn't do this, I'm doing this. Bekarbate, bus. So, just be yourself, let yourself blossom and bloom, and do practice. You have to do practice. You have to do spiritual practice, real spiritual practice, whatever that means. Now, asana practice, pranayama, there's good practices. But for the most part, the way most people do them, they tend to be just physical. And they can relax you a little bit. But you need to work, you know, listen to me telling you what you need. You, one can work more directly with one's mind and one's feelings and learning how to let go. Because all that stuff is what covers the jewel that lives in your heart as who you are, your soul. All those identifications, all those stories, that's that's what you, that's how we cover ourselves up. So we need to let go of that. So you sit down. you think you can count from 100 to, to zero without thinking about other things? You can't count from 100 to 99 without thinking about it, something else. <laughs> so that's 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 the first thing, you know? Bring, start to let your mind calm down. You have to do that. Nobody can do that for you. And that's how you find what lives within us, our true nature, our soul, you know? Uh, and then... When you go out into the world from that time of practice, you just try to be the best person you can be, that's all. And you try to treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's all you have to do. Nothing more than that. You don't have to help anybody. You don't have to try to teach anybody. You can share techniques. But you do your practice where you calm your mind down. And you try to connect with something deeper inside of you. And then you try to treat people the way you want to be treated. And that ain't easy. So, and, when you, and it's good to be a teacher, it's good to, to share practices and techniques that can help people. But whether they do them or don't do them, or whether it helps them or not, is not up to you. Krishna says very clearly, over and over in the, in the Gita, you do what you do, but the fruit of your action is not your job. It's not up to you. you and, and if you're worried about the fruit, if you're worried about helping people, it cripples you. Your job is to do the best you can right now, this moment, now this moment, now this moment, every moment. And what effect it has on other people is their life, their karma, not yours. Who you, how you live in this life, this world right now is your karma, so it's your situation. And that's where you have and can find real strength to be true to yourself and as you say, in, in Indian culture, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff to deal with. As in every culture, that's different. But, and, you know, being a strong, independent woman in Indian culture is not an easy job. Because traditionally, women's place has not been uh, empowered in India, just like the rest of the world on the other hand in india they have the worship of the goddess but then they're nasty to their wives so what good is that you know they go to the temple and worship a stone and then they come and yell at their wives you know that's what good but that's the dichotomy of of this world that's that's the craziness of this world you have have created a very incredible thing for yourself so far and just keep going get deeper get more real Get really empower yourself with love and compassion. And that's and for yourself and others. Thank you. So speaketh the Lord.
4: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That really helps. And uh, thank you for everything that you put out for us. Thank yeah. you. This thank deep you. love from me to you.
8: Hello Krishna Das, how are you? Okay. So, for me, my question today is so I've been um, leaving my drums and I've been working on the harmonium and chanting, and I'm wondering is there a particular drum machine uh, that is uh, uh, something that I could use to have some beats going behind when yeah, I.
1: Well, um, there's two apps that I use for, the, for iOS. One is called iTabla Pro, mm-hmm. that's the easiest one, the other one is a little bit complex. The rhythms are good, but not so easy. So Itabla Pro is good. And they also have Tambura in that, and and uh, the Bells, Majira, they have them in that. That's a nice one. And you'll just have to go through and find the right, simple. The, the, the two beats that you probably want to use, one is called Bhajani, B-H-A-J-A-N-I. And the other is Kherwa. K-E-H-E-R-W-A. Okay. So I'll experiment with those two. That's probably the ones that will work for you.
8: Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: And one more thing. Yes. Don't quit your day job.
8: (laughs) My day job is a music teacher, so.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Really? Where?
8: Um, I teach special needs children music in a residential school. I wow. talked last time I used to be a professional musician. I was on tour with Phoebe Snow and. Um, ah, wow. Back in the day. So now I, I teach music.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. That well, is- special needs children really like chanting. Yeah. Because it's, it's repetitive and musically it's not very complex. And they, well, I have a friend who teaches uh, special asana practice for special needs children. Oh. and she uses my chanting uh, in her classes. And uh, so she wrote to me once, she, she said, you know, when I put your music on, the kids just go right in. But when it speeds up, they get anxious. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, okay, I'll make a CD that doesn't speed up. So my last CD, what was it called? Uh, Peace of My Heart, P-E-A-C-E. Yes, I have it doesn't speed up, it just it just, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper, so. But uh, they love chanting, those kids really respond to that and it's repetitive and it's easy and, and as long as you don't say anything about it being part of any spiritual or religious kind of thing, you'll be safe.
8: Right, that's a big thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah the biggest challenge to my chanting is getting my musicianship out of the way because it's not about music, so.
1: Well, that's what you say, but on the other hand, uh, unless you're doing it, you don't get a chance to work with that part of you. That keeps taking everything over, the big ego. So when you chant, it makes it very obvious when you're fucked up. And that's good. Yes. Because the rest of the day, you don't see it. That's true. It's that not that good. it's not there. You just don't see it. So it's good. Good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay.
6: Hi, Krishnadas.
1: Hello. Namaste. How are you?
6: Doing good. Uh, you
7: mentioned that you spent some time with Anand Anandmaima. Can, oh, yeah. you, can you tell me some experiences with her?
1: Well, first of all, uh, let me, you know, we, she had an ashram, has yeah. an ashram, just down the road from Maharaji's place in
7: Yes. In
1: so when Maharaji would kick us out, we'd go see uh, to her place. And oh, then we'd come back to, to the temple, and Maharaji would say, You went to see Ma? Did she feed you? No, I feed you.
4: <laughs> okay.
1: But they knew each other very well.
4: Uh-huh.
1: My, my Indian father, Mr. Tewari, had been with Maharaji in Nainital the first time that Ma, uh, Mataji Anandamai and Maharaji met this life. They just looked at each other and laughed. You know, they laughed.
7: Uh-huh. Oh, that's
1: so nice. The she was so beautiful, just so immersed all the time. anandamai just yeah. immersed in Anand. Uh, Westerners weren't uh, really. Uh, we weren't really invited closely into the scene, you know, but but still, we used to sit in the in the darshan and. Just watch her, and uh, so beautiful, very beautiful.
7: Oh, that's nice. So I have a question. So, you know, sometimes we do things, and there are so many obstacles. Does that mean that some supreme power, almighty, is telling us not to do that? Or it is just our bad karma that's uh, why we have so much struggle?
4: So how do we decide, like, we have to... Go forward in that direction or should we take it as a red flag from the Almighty?
1: Well, the easiest thing to do is ask your daughter what you should do.
8: <laughs>
1: That's the best thing I can advise you. Um, no, obstacles are always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're either obstacles or they're opportunities. It's up to you which 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 uh, how you take it. Uh, and always you have to ask yourself, is what I'm trying to do what I really want to be doing? You know, That's the main thing. It's not what you do, it's why you do what you do that's important. I mean, uh, we have to learn to really listen to ourselves about what we really need and really want in life, and, and how do we want to go through this life? How do we want to spend our time? What, you know? What do we want to get? In what way, you know, what, what's the best thing I can do for myself and and others that I meet? So, but basically, the first thing is to find out what you want to do. And if you're trying to do something that you don't really want to do, then there are obstacles. But if you're trying to do something that you really want to do and have to do, then it, those are opportunities to 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 work work, work through and work with. And what are these obstacles? And why? Why Not why. Never ask why. Because nobody knows why ask a question nobody can answer.
7: Yeah. That's true. (laughs) And besides,
1: your daughter knows everything. She won't tell you, though. That's the thing. Uh. But uh, the more deeply you connect with your own heart, the more strength you get in your life, and the clearer what you the clearer your, uh, your, your intentions become about what you, how you want to live, where you want to live, how you want to live, what you want to do with your life. Because most of us are just working, uh, we're just reacting still to everything that's happened to us in our life. There were programs put into us as we grew up. We, we, we absorbed ways of seeing ourselves from our parents, from our teachers, from our friends, from all our experiences and our interactions. And we're still in reaction mode to all that. Either we want more of it or we want to push it away. But we still don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's what this life is about, trying to find out who we really are and who everybody else really is. Mm Ram Das used to always talk about the difference between roles and souls, right? Everybody has a soul, but also everybody's playing a role that is not necessarily in harmony with who they truly are. So people can hurt us, people can turn away from us, people can create problems for us. And we might get angry with them, but that's their role. And what happens, that's our role, fighting with their role. And because we don't know our hearts, if we really knew who we were, we would be able to, to see them in a different way, where they wouldn't be, wouldn't be obstacles aimed at us, it would be a situation arising. And you have a completely different relationship to it, a completely different way of seeing it, of feeling it. It's not like you have to manipulate yourself into or talk yourself into feeling a certain way. No. As you practice more, those deeper way of seeing and reacting to things just happens naturally. But you must practice. I don't know what else to tell you.
7: Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yes.
1: And so, if anything, it makes you a better person and it makes your relationships more fulfilling and your work more fulfilling and everything because you're, you're not demanding that the outside world do what you tell it to do <laughs> mm-hmm. or be the way you want it to be. You're able to be with it as it is because you don't need it to be a certain way for you. There's millions of people out there and everybody wants the outside world to do just what they want it to do. How could that ever work?
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: The outside world the outside world and and what our job is to clean our hearts, to slow ourselves down, to allow ourselves to be kinder to ourselves, not so harsh with ourselves, not so angry with our, 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 uh, our inability to, to be, to treat people well and treat ourselves well, you know, it's very difficult, very difficult, especially now, I mean, this is an extraordinarily different, difficult time, everybody's heads are just totally compressed with the pressure and anxiety and fear and worrying about what's going to happen, whoa, it's, it's really, And I would say more than half of what we feel as our own stuff isn't even our own stuff. It's just the atmosphere we're all living in. Yeah. So, so, but that's okay because the intensity of the experience these days can turn us within, can force us to... Calm our asses down, excuse me. Calm our, calm ourselves down. And, uh, you know, learn to take care of ourselves. It's not easy. And if I ever drink this much coffee again, I'm just going to turn off the chai and chat. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. Hi.
7: Hi, Krishna Das and everybody Hello. out there.
1: A repeat offender.
7: A repeat offender, yeah. yes. But as a repeat offender, one of the things that I've heard you say, I think in every Chai Chat I've been to, um, the words, the the stories we tell ourselves is yeah. something that you bring up each time. And I'm, I'm s- sort of struggling with um, what you mean by that. And I, I think in order to ask my question properly, I have to um, be very personal in, in, in letting you know what, what's been on my mind. So my, my whole life that going back to age five, I don't remember before that, but I was aware of, um, from age five to seven of being, um, abused, sexually abused by an older brother. Um, and I was very alone in that. I knew it was, uh, not something I wanted to have to be happening, but I didn't have anybody to, um, to or help me. I um, figured it out myself, um, over a period of two years, how to get, how to make it stop. But I, these, there are people, my brother's still in my life and my parents were not, they, they didn't help me and they don't. And I've talked to them about it in my adult life and they don't, they hear me, they listen, they don't get angry but they don't take um they don't really acknowledge it in some way or they don't do anything with this information or yeah. and, and it's just it's such a pres- it's all that's present when i'm with my family my parents my brother my other brother um it's the it's just like the most for forward thing in my awareness when i'm with them and so the idea of like this is just a story i'm telling myself and why can't i
1: oh don't use the word just
7: okay or, or whatever the idea of this is a story makes it makes me wonder is this some, like what how do i
1: no no it's not like yeah. that yeah
7: yeah yeah it feels a little bit like um oh i'm just kind of making something
1: no, out there's of it. that word just again yeah. Yeah. So this is yeah. you judging yourself right and you know that victims of of abuse tend to there's always a part of a victim's thoughts about it, feelings about it, that in somehow they are guilty of something. Mm-hmm. And when you say just, it's your way of putting yourself down, mm-hmm. of, it's that, the doubt about the situation manifesting in your head, you know, the doubt that you didn't get your parents' help and support, the doubt that how could this happen and why this happened and all that stuff these are all undigested pieces of pain in, in our, our our hearts really and you're not alone there's so many so many situations like this and in so many of the situations the parents can never face it They just don't have the tools. They don't have the tools. They don't, their emotions just freeze and they, it's almost, they can't, it can manifest as coldness and as non-caring and all that. But I think underneath it, it's really a question of that. They're facing the abyss and they cannot, they have to back away from that abyss because it's, they could not deal with it. Um, you know, I've told this story many times, and uh, I'll tell it again. Many years ago, when George W. was president, president you know, I didn't like him. He, he seemed to me to be a terrible guy causing all this issue, you know, the wars, everything. The puppet of big business and all this stuff, you know. So one time I was channel surfing and I was passed through CNN. And as I was going through CNN, they were showing a live broadcast, it was live, of President Bush on his way to meet the wives of the first group of soldiers that were killed in Iraq. Okay, the very first, there are maybe twenty, twenty-five 25 women waiting in this classroom, in this public school to meet with Bush. And the camera shows him walking down the hall. Hey, Joe, hi, Frank. Yeah, that's me. I'm the president. Here I go. And I'm walking down the hall. Yep, that's me. Here I go. So I was just about to turn the channel and he walks into the room where the women were waiting for him. And he burst out crying like a baby, weeping, weeping uncontrollably. I couldn't hate him anymore. Because I recognized immediately this human being has created so much suffering for so many people. And he will pay for that. He himself has created situations that are going to be arising for him in his karma, that he will suffer the fires of hell. And I didn't want to feel compassion for that bastard, but I could not help myself. You see where I'm getting, then?
7: Well, actually, the problem is I feel a lot of compassion for these people, so much so that I keep... The, there's more secret keeping than I would wish for.
1: That's, that's, I'm, I'll use a phrase that a, a very great Lama once used. Don't take it personally. It's called idiot compassion. Hmm. Once again, it's your own feelings that you have to, it's your own feelings that you must allow to arise and pass away. And yes, you can feel compassion for those people, but you're not really feeling compassion for yourself. And that's the scary, painful stuff. It's a, it's the dark stuff that, that, the shadows that push us around. And we don't see them. We're not prepared to look at them. And that's exactly why I started chanting with people. Because I... I, came, I walked from one room to the other in my apartment at, back in 1994, and immediately I knew that if I did not start chanting with people, I would never be able to deal with the, the, the shadows that were pushing me around, that I couldn't see, the dark corners of my own heart that were hidden from me. So that forced me to start doing practice.
7: Well, if I could ask another question related to yeah, sure, sure. Tell the truth, right? Is yeah,
1: yeah.
7: Love everyone. Tell the truth. So that's the tell the truth part because that's my truth, but I can't tell it, and it feels. I guess that's that's another part of the stuckness somehow because telling it would explain to my brother's children why I'm so distant or, you know, it, it feels yeah. like it continues to go down generations and I want to be able to sort of tell the truth in some way, but yeah. I haven't figured out how to, how to do that.
1: But without. that's okay because when you, we're not, the two, the two, tell the truth was one part of the phrase. The other phrase was love everyone and tell the truth. So you're, you're also included in that everyone. Mm-hmm. And loving everyone in this case would have to mean uh, owning your, owning the situation in a deep way. And, and it th- tell the truth doesn't mean tell people things they don't need to know. There's no reason to hurt those kids with that truth at this time. At some later period, if something starts, if you see something in their lives that this would be helpful, sure, maybe. But tell the truth mean doesn't mean hit people over the head with the hammer. Um, uh, since you're, we've gotten personal, have you ever been to any groups where people... Discuss this stuff among victims of abuse without the abusers around, who have, who talk about ways to deal with the pain that they're carrying. You don't have to answer that, but just I'm just suggesting that would be a very useful thing to do. Uh, because satsang, sangha, which on the spiritual path means the people who are uh, you know moving along the path together. Is very important. Mm-hmm. We learn so much from those fellow seekers. We learn how to carry ourselves. We learn what's okay and what's not okay. We learn how to be uh, in a new way with our stuff. So, in your case, your sangha or one of your sanghas could easily be a group, groups of people who are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's so many people who have been abused in so many ways, and um, I think one could possibly get a lot out of that—new insights into into the hidden feelings we have about it, you know. Uh, And and um, if you're looking for a practice to do, I don't know that you are, but if you are. I would in, I would investigate uh, Sharon Salzberg if you don't know who she is, yeah, because uh, she's uh, she teaches loving kindness meditation, which is an extraordinarily powerful practice. Even though it could seem a little rinky dinky at first, like may I be safe, may I be happy, may I have a good health, you know, it is one of the most powerful meditation practices ever, on every level. And it's a way of getting right in there where we don't like ourselves, where we can't wish ourselves well. But it doesn't feel like a battle. It's not a battle. It's so beautiful the way they offer this practice. Usually when we think of meditation, we think, okay, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna fight with my thoughts and then I'm gonna go watch TV. It's not like that. So it's an extraordinary practice. And I think it'd be wonderful for you to uh, explore that possibility. And I know that uh, she, she does give, even online, she's giving courses on that in classes and definitely connect with her somehow. She's the greatest. Um, you're not alone and the thing about the stories we tell ourselves uh, that i i didn't mean it on the level that you seem to have heard it what i mean is the unconscious way that we see ourselves we don't even notice how how often we criticize ourselves or how often we stop ourselves from doing something because or how many how how often we do certain things because and what we're doing is we're acting out this this shadow version of ourselves that we don't see. We only see it, we only can see it in our daily life if we're really paying attention. Why I don't like myself, why I can't deal with this, why I want this, why I don't want this. This is the result this is the those shadows are pulling the strings and we're dancing to their tune so until we light that up behind us bring light there awareness consciousness love compassion insight into those shadows they're going to keep pushing us around that's that's what i mean by the stories we tell ourselves not like not, not the way you 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 uh, interpreted it at that point. You know, welcome to Earth, girl. You know, it's tough. This this world, you know, it, it, this world has, believe it or not, it had equal possibilities. There's equal opportunity for for love, and there's equal opportunity for for suffering. We have choices we have to make. Everything right now that's happening in our lives is a result of our own past karmas. We don't know what that means, but let's just say that that whatever it is, we have to deal with it because it's here. That's all, that's what that means. and. We have to find the best way we can to deal with it for each of us. You find your way, I find my way. But if we don't deal with it, it keeps on going on in our heads and in our lives. So, see what's there with you. See what you're carrying around with you. See what would be nice to leave on the side of the road as you walk, and then find the way to do that because you can. You know, there's no. Uh, I'm I'm blurting at an extraordinary rate, but it's not like there's an easy answer. But uh, one of the one of the uh, modes in the loving-kindness meditation. Do you know anything about it at all?
7: A little bit.
1: Yes. so there's essentially four types of phrases that you repeat. One is, may I be safe, may I be happy, may I be healthy, and may I live with ease. Okay. So, the first part of the practice is where you you offer those phrases to yourself. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. Okay. So, after a couple of days of that, and you don't feel a damn thing, they say, okay, now go to the, offer those phrases to your benefactor, someone who's in your life has always been on your side, always been there for you never judged, always, you know, et cetera. And you start offering the phrases to that person. And immediately you feel lighter. Then they say, okay, now come back to yourself. You crash. And then, so then they go back and forth a little bit. And then one one of the modes is where you offer the phrase to your enemy. It's called the enemy, but in, in our case, it means somebody who's done us wrong, or always wished us ill will, etc., etc., etc. And then you offer the phrase to that person, and you know, may you be safe, you son of a bitch. May you be happy, you son. Of a, you know, and you can't even you can't even do it, you know, because finally, I after like. Many years I got to the place. May you be safe, you bastard, so you leave me alone. <laughs> May you be happy, you son of a bitch, so you don't fuck with me. You know, I mean, that was the best I could do. But, uh, but getting to the place where you can allow yourself to wish yourself well is a huge, huge wonderful, uh, I don't wanna say accomplishment but it is, it's a real accomplishment because here we are in this world and not even to, just look what's going on everywhere. That pressure is right in our heads all the time right now and it's making everything worse, everything more intense. To allow ourselves to feel okay, as we are right now, is a really big thing. And it takes a lot of practice to make, to, to, to get comfortable with that. Because we don't feel we deserve it, you know, or we don't feel we're able, we don't feel we can let ourselves go there, but we can. And uh, because, why? Because that's what's really inside of us. Underneath the stuff, underneath all the things that have happened to us, all the things we've done, inside there is a light, which is who we truly are. But that is covered up with our shit right now. We have to uncover that. And once you begin to take responsibility for your own state of mind, then things start to change. Then you, you begin to take life and everything in it as your path. Not something that's happening to you, but something that's happening here and you're here right with it. It's very different. It's, in a sense, it's happening within you rather than to you. But these are things that will come from the inside. Don't have to hang on to them here so tightly. They come from the inside through practice. It's good to have an idea of like what we're looking for, but everything I'm saying is stuff that you will see inside yourself. Definitely. You don't have to be convinced by it. You don't have to intellectually hold on to it or make yourself believe or manipulate yourself into acting that way. No, no, that's all bullshit. You will feel these things because that's what's in there already. And we just have to find a way to uncover it, which is what the whole spiritual path is about. So, sangha, satsang, very important. Very important, really a big, huge, and next to that would be uh, checking out what Sharon's about and beginning some, some practice that you do with sincerity every day, even two minutes, two minutes, three minutes, that you really do. Not, okay, like I do it. You know, really do it. One Ram Maharaj even said, said uh, go on, repeat your lying, fake Ram Ram. One of these days you say it right once, boom, the real Ram will come. <laughs> so how do we get to that place, right? That place is here, right, where we are in our own hearts right now. And you, you, you have it like everyone else.
8: Mm-hmm.
1: But, but you're looking for it and that's different than most people. Most people are asleep. They're born asleep. They live asleep and they die asleep. And they never get one look up at the sky in a whole lifetime. So you're doing good. Just opening yourself to this whole issue is huge, really huge. Most people really can't. Don't, can't, won't. But you're doing, and that's already... 99% of the fight is being willing to engage. That's a big thing, very big. All right, I wish you the best. You know, Buddhism is really misunderstood by most people. People say, oh, Buddha said it's all suffering. No, it's not what he said. He said, yes, in this world there is, there is suffering inherent in almost every part of life. But he also said, the end of that statement was that here is the way to liberate yourself from suffering. He did not say that there's all suffering and that's the end of it. He said, there is suffering, these are the causes of suffering, this is the path to free ourselves from the causes of suffering. It was life-affirming, not life-negating. Negation is when all we see is the suffering, and when we don't believe and don't recognize that there's a way out. And ultimately, we, our hearts, are the way out. Going, moving into our deeper place in our own hearts, which is where these names, the, the chants that I do, that's where these chants come from. And they pull us right back into ourselves and, and realign the way our thoughts run and the way our feelings run this is why practice is so important, because we're getting in harmony with who we really are. We're not trying to reprogram our thoughts. We're actually trying to, find, to experience directly the love that lives within us as we are already. It's there. Of course it's there. It's here. But we don't know how to look. We are glued to our stuff. Practice dissolves that glue, little by little, and we fall into our own, into the real place within us.
5: Hi,
6: Krishnadas. Thank you for having this uh, beautiful container to share. Um, I'm here in Northern California and uh, um, last uh, March, I went down to Mexico City to see my family and uh, um, just before the pandemic. So um, um, my question is directly about, uh, you have been spoken so far about Bhakti Yoga and the offerings and uh, Sometimes the spiritual part comes with a very sour peel, you know, and uh, um, sometimes the more we practice, the deeper peel gets bigger, and uh, sometimes I feel like, oh, I cannot take this peel anymore, but um, it's probably because that's what I need to to be, so um I was visiting my brother, which is a mathematician, and uh, um, he's been, over his life, being extremely um, analytical, and you know, so, so um, forth. We've been having in dealings with situations with both of my parents already passing. So my mother passed this, um, after a month I was there, so, and uh, most of that part, um, and also personal issues in the family with health. Um, so my brother was kind of like uh, taking, absorbing all that negativity from the family, and uh, um, so I went there, and uh, um, he just like he just dropped it. He got, had a like huge crisis of hysteria, right right in front of me, and I was just feeling like. I was just on my knees seeing his suffering because he is trying to help my family and everybody else. But I, can, I saw that, that he can't he can help himself, you know. And I, he lives alone in a place that um, he is, can be a, a potential of people taking advantage of him. So I got to see all that in front of my eyes. And I was thinking like, well, you know, you should, you're supposed to be a spiritual person, you know. What service I can be to my brother. So I was there with him. And I stayed at his house and I told him, listen, I want to spend these time here with you. And uh, um, I need to see if you can uh, allow me to to help you up." But at the moment, I mean, when you're offering some fruits, so the party is like, my brother wasn't able to take that fruit, you know? And I I, I saw, saw myself in panic because I was thinking like, you know what? He's not getting any younger and uh, um, he lives alone and so jara yara. But uh, the party is like, how can I stop his suffering and my suffering? So my question to you is, is how to detach, you know? Uh, all I can just talk, talk to him is just like suggesting because you can even you can even tell him, you know, because he doesn't admit anything. Like you know, he needs help. And when you say something like when you admitting that you need help, that's a huge part of recovery. That his mind is like in this deep pit that he can, he can he's no longer able to see himself reacting like that and having this hysteria attacks so and I feel like you know what only I I shared to him that to seek a medical advice or professional advice but that was it so I came back here in California and I keep him in my mind because I see here that I create a beautiful life and I feel like you know home fair can be home fair the world can be, you know, because I can see real suffering and I can't do anything about it. I can't. So I need to detach myself from my brother. But I'm just saying, like, you know what? I love him a lot. But right now, I don't think his mind is ready to, to see the light. So I don't know what, what I can do. So Listen to your music has helped me tremendously. So I wish my brother can, can be a little bit able to accept something from that. Yeah. Know. Not easy.
1: You know, uh, we should have, when, when they offered us the job to run the universe, we should have accepted, but we didn't. So the universe is running itself without our help. And uh, people will be who they are, regardless of how we would like them to be. So if the situation is that you can't do anything for him, then you should really try to do something for yourself, which means to try to calm your heart down. You know, over and over it's said that real love is letting people be who they are and not trying to change them according to what we feel they should be doing or feeling. When we can't even deal with our own stuff. How can we help somebody else other than loving them and accepting that this is who they are right now? It doesn't mean they're always going to be this way. But one thing you could do is certainly offer your brother uh, loving kindness and caring within yourself. Now, you can't make him accept it but he can't stop you from offering it and you can do that within yourself you have a brother outside of you but you also have this brother inside of you just like we have our parents inside of us as well you have this person so inside of you you are free to love him and cherish him and wish him well and offer him strength and, and, and courage, and see him in the light, visualize him in the light, visualize him as being happy, and, visual, and offering him this. Now, he may not get it, but what you're really doing is you're purifying and cleaning your connection with him right now your connection with him is blocked with emotion and blocked with your own subjectivity so you want to free yourself from that to really connect with him his with his soul and when you do that you've you've liberated all the karmas between the two of you which may or may not allow him to see things in a different way and when you approach him once you're free of wanting him to be who you want him to be and you talk to him he won't feel like you're trying to manipulate him and trying to change him so he'll respond to you naturally without defense right now he's going to defend himself against you because you're trying to change him and how dare you try to change him who do you think you are Leave me alone. Get out of my life. He's entitled to feel that way because you're attacking him with your love. (laughs) Why would you do that? Because you want something from him. You want him to be happy. He doesn't want to be happy. Leave him alone. But inside of yourself, give him the real stuff. Hold him in that light. Hold him in your love and your heart and let it flow towards him within you. You might find all kinds of things in there that you don't even know exist from your side. You might find all like
6: kinds of... Like you see, it's huh? so beautiful in here. And yeah. I feel like I go to, my, to Mother Nature and just talk to her about questions and uh, and just say, like, am I acting selfish less? And, but I uh, uh, just you just mentioned something really important that you cannot change somebody else you need yeah. to just accept them for what you are for what they are and uh, uh, yeah so I I was thinking myself you know I live a good life a healthy life and uh, um, I wish in deep in my heart that that'll be a part of, of me, which is my brother, benefit from that side, which is me, because as you say, my, my family and my mother and my father live within me. Yeah. And so my yeah. brother, sometimes I, it's hard for me to detach to thinking like, am I acting selfishly in here? You know, that mm-hmm. you say something very important, like I need to, I need to take care of myself. And, part, one.
1: and your brother is a part of yourself too but the internal brother is the only one that's going to listen to you right now <laughs> so but be with that part of yourself right i mean wish him well and and that way you'll overcome your need to change him your need to make him happy that's your issues not his so in the meantime, you can offer him all that love and kindness that you have in your own heart and that will free you and, and it has to have an effect somewhere. So it's because every action has a result. If your actions are loving and kind, even if they're not external, they still will create good karmas there. And also you'll feel better and you deserve to feel better. You don't, you don't need... You, it's not necessary to suffer like this. Suffering is inevitable. We can't avoid suffering. But like one of these great saints once said, I feel pain, but not the way you do. Even the great ones, Christ, Maharaji, Sai Baba, Shirdi Sai Baba, Nitinanda, these great beings, they feel our pain, but not personal like we do. Very different. So if we want to liberate ourselves from our unhappiness, we have to free those old karmas that we're carrying around inside of us. And we do that by offering love and kindness and compassion to, to your brother in this case and, and everyone else you meet and yourself. So just uh, include him when you go for a walk. Include him, bring him with you in your heart. And you, you may find many things inside yourself that you're not even aware of yet. Things that might be difficult and things that would be very beautiful. So I wish you well.
6: Thank you so much.
1: Boy. A lot of stuff, huh? Very intense. This is the world. This is the world. We're all, we all have this intensity of feeling these days. And it brings out all the things within us. And that can be very useful for us as practitioners. Because until you see something you can't deal with it. You can't, you can't meet, meet it in a good way until we see it. it. Those things push us around from behind. But it's very difficult to, take, uh, to stay, keep our eyes open Maharaj used to say, I love suffering. Suffering brings me close to God. And I don't know about you, but when things are regular and at ease, my, my practice is very lackadaisical. But when I'm suffering, help me, God damn it! It gets pretty intense. So in that sense, this is a very deep, powerful time and, in, and each one of us is going to be r- dealing with it on, in, in the best way we can. So, very hard times, very hard times. No one knows what's going to happen. And it's easy to get caught in, in worrying about it all. But that's too crippling. And when we cripple ourselves, then we can't help others and we can't help ourselves either. So we we really, this this is the importance of practice because practice connects us to that place within us that is perfectly all right, as Mr. Tuar used to say, perfectly all right, thank you, perfectly all right regardless of what's going on in the outside world. Now, I know that could, could sound cold and unfeeling, but, but it isn't.
6: Hey, hi, Krishna Krishnadas. Hello. Welcome to a rainy day in Miami.
1: Miami, oh my goodness.
6: Yeah.
1: Um, I'll be there tonight watching the heat get beat by the Celtics.
6: Oh yeah, I've seen them live. The heat, not lately, but
1: uh huh, very good.
6: Great. Um, when you met Ram Das in the late sixties, um, you talk about how you walked into the room and you sensed that it was immediately possible to uh, enter the space where we truly live, and
7: that—that's
1: a nice there. way of putting it. <laughs> Oh um, yeah. Let me think about that, did I? <laughs> what actually the actual thought was, Oh my God, it's real. I knew without a word, even without any mental activity, all of a sudden it was like all the lights went on and I knew that whatever it was I was looking for at the age of
8: twenty
1: something like that, 21, whatever it was I was looking for was real. It was in the world, and you could find it. That's real, in the world, you could find it. Boom, boom, boom. That was it. And I've just been surfing off the rest of my life.
6: Before that revelatory moment, did you have any sense, like when you were a young DOS, that... um, (laughs) (laughs) like really young, like when you were a baby or that about the presence of God or their uh, hope that there was that possibility or or any inkling?
1: You know, I'd like to say that when I was born, rainbows filled the sky and music could be heard in the heavens, but I don't think so. I was just a normal kid. Uh, I had no, all I had was unhappiness. That was my revelation and depression. And
6: you had no sense that there was a way out coming up at all.
1: No, none. But by the time I met Ramdas, I had already been into spiritual stuff for a few years. I've been, you know, reading about Buddhism. I've been doing Asana practice. I've been trying trying to meditate, probably in some weird way. Uh, so I was already doing things i mean i already was looking very strongly for something right but i wouldn't have known what to say it was i still don't
6: <laughs> interesting thank you awesome so,
1: oh you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome
3: yeah so i guess like my question was um uh, just thinking about uh, like, how do you have courage to do something that you want to do, like for yourself, um, but you find it really difficult to face it? So, uh, for me, I was in tech for like 13 years, and I found it a very abusive experience. Um, despite doing some things that I thought were meaningful, probably the highlight was seeing you. <laughs> Because then I realized there was something else beyond suffering. Um, but I, uh, I really struggled. I've struggled to get over uh, coping with my experiences there. Um, and I guess part of me, I thought about, uh, like I would like to write it up into like some sort of um, book or set of stories. And, and I've written some things, but I just get frozen uh, from fear. And I do practice. So I guess my question is like uh like how uh, did Maharaji ever say anything of Ma about like courage or how do you like just keep you know um, I don't know not letting the past which they say isn't real or whatever just stop you from doing something else with your life, you know?
1: Yeah, well um first of all I think writing is really good discipline. And if you were going to write I would write write to yourself write not to yourself as who you know yourself to be right now but write to yourself almost like you're somebody else that you want to share with and and not to teach or preach or anything but somebody you, you want to have a heart to heart with so you write you're writing to that person from your heart to that person's heart and rather than you know like mind spinning writing 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 but telling the story to someone you care about and as far as courage yeah Maharaji you know the story i was sitting with Maharaji and we we had trailed him to mumbai it was a great adventure and he, we found him there. And so every day we'd sit with him for many hours. And one day, I, we'd been sitting for many hours. He was on the bed and I was on the floor. And uh, there was one old Indian devotee with us, and me and an, another a Westerner. And all of a sudden he sits up. And he looks at me and he goes, courage is a really big thing. And the Indian guy said, oh, Baba, but God will take care of his devotees. Courage is a really big big thing. thing. And then he laid down and went back to sleep. And I was just like, what's going to happen? You know? And, uh, yeah, courage is a big thing. But it's not the courage to go out and conquer the world. It's the courage to, to be here now, to be with ourselves as we are, to care for ourselves as we are, to imagine there's no next chapter in your life, that this is your life now, and you're not preparing for later
8: <laughs>
1: uh, or some other state of consciousness that won't last anyway. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, To be with what is now as fully as you can, to be here with yourself, with all the beauty and all the horror and all the nastiness and all the sweetness and all the goodness and all the selfishness. Be with it. And inside of all that, to remember to let go. To come back, to let go, to come back let go, come back, let go. That's basically all we can do. Let go of the very stuff that pulls us out of ourselves and then we won't be pulled out of ourselves. Imagine that. That's the only thing. Taking us away from ourselves is our own stuff. Nothing out there. There is no out there. So, if we're going to find anything in this life, we're going to find it right here, right now because next week it'll still be right now it's always where you are and trying to get somewhere else or have some imagining that there'll be a time when you'll be free of suffering ain't gonna happen I used to go every I'd go to sit with Maharaji and I'd put on my my, my clean clothes and sit down in front of him. And one day I was sitting there and I I almost laughed out loud because I saw myself that I was sitting there waiting for him to touch me and I would be liberated. I, I would be enlightened. And I laughed because I saw that my idea of being enlightened did not include me being here. Enlightenment was somebody else, somewhere else. I would not be there. I was waiting for myself to be gone. And I laughed because I understood that if there was one thing in the universe that was never going to happen, that was it. I would never be gone. I'm going to be right here always. But... <laughs> Here is some deepens and deepens and deepens and deepens and deepens. As our thoughts don't pull us out of it, as our emotions don't pull us out of it, as our selfishness doesn't pull us out of it, as our anxiety doesn't pull us out of it, as our greed doesn't pull us out of it, as our shame doesn't pull us out of it, as our fear doesn't pull us out of it, we're here. And here is the whole universe. Here is the heart of God. So courage means allowing yourself to be here and developing the strength to keep letting go of that stuff that pulls us away from ourselves. And all the practices, all they do is develop those muscles to let go. So, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go where you won't be? Can't happen. Isn't that great? You you don't need to try anymore. You don't need to to drive yourself crazy anymore. We're already crazy, why keep driving? All we need to do is be here, alive, this moment with everything that appears in our life, moment after moment, be here. And the wider our hearts are, that stuff just goes through like uh, food from a certain country. But that's, that's the big time, you know? That's the hardest practice is just to be here and give yourself a break. That's very difficult. There's too many programs running. That's why if you write your story, which I think would be a great thing to do for everybody, uh, you bring in that, bring in the, the, as you write, you will recognize the space in which the writing is happening. And you'll be able to communicate that too. And that's fantastic. So you see, somebody wrote, Maharaji is nothing special, but his body fills the universe. Thank you, everybody. Really, thanks for coming and, uh, and uh, being here and having, opening your hearts, sharing this space with all of us. And uh, take good care of yourselves and everyone around you, best you can. And uh, much love and see you again. Ram Ram.
0: Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtanwala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com. K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S dot com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org k-i-r-t-a-n-w-a-l-l-a-h-foundation.org Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram